Direct from both Eternia and Etheria, from deep within the confines of Castle Grayskull, it's time to join in the battle for the power of goodness with Chris Vint and the Masters of the Universe Chronicles. Hello and welcome to another interview section of the Master Universe Chronicles. I can honestly say that I'm sitting here and I'm going to be asking some questions and I'm going to be really, really intrigued to find out the answer. And I have a very special guest, probably my biggest guest to date. Uh, so I hope that I haven't overwhelmed this gentleman. I'm sure um, whenever he introduces himself, you will find out who he is and you will just go, whoa. So, sir, if you could please introduce yourself. Okay, my name is Roger Sweet, and I'm the originator of He-Man. I originated and named him, and Masters of the Universe evolved out of the He-Man concept. So you're a pretty big deal. You're the reason why I'm doing this show is because if I didn't have the figures you created, we wouldn't have got anything whatsoever. So, sir, I just want to welcome you to Master Universe Chronicles. It is truly an honor and a privilege to sit here and talk to you. And I just thank you so much for taking some time out of your schedule to um, answer a few of my questions. I'm really looking forward to it. So um, thank you for coming on the show. It means a great deal to me, Mr. Sweet. Well, thank you for having me on your fine show. <laughs> Do you mind if we crack on with the first question then? Not at all. Okay. The first question I have for you is, was, how did you get first get the job at Mattel? I had been working at Lockheed, California, on the Lockheed L-1011 jumbo jet liner, and the company uh, got into very bad financial condition, and they had extensive layoffs, so I was laid off uh, from there. They're located in Burbank, California, and I was living, of course, in the California area, okay. so I went looking for another job. And I sent a uh, letter of inquiry to Mattel, uh, their personnel department, and uh, then very soon after that, an agency there in L.A. called Graphic Arts Agency uh, looked at my work, and they contacted specific people at Mattel, and I interviewed there and got a temporary position. Just okay. after I started working for Mattel in that temporary position, I got a form letter from Mattel personnel saying that I had been rejected. I'm sure that wasn't nice whenever you opened that letter, but uh, uh, was there any projects that you actually worked on um, prior to He-Man? I, I went to work for Mattel in a on April 18, 1972. And that was as a temp, as I said. Mm -hmm. And I went to work in the preschool department, and I was only there for three months before I was scheduled to be laid off after my temporary time ran, ran, ran out. Uh, but during that three months, I designed a little putt-putts fire truck uh, that was made out of wood, and I also designed a preschool uh, polyethylene foam dump truck. And, and then after that, um, 
the two people who had hired me in preschool found a permanent position for me in the international department at Mattel. And so I then worked in the international department for the next three years, but I only worked in that department for one year as a as a project designer, uh, uh, doing preliminary design to create new toys. And after that, I was scheduled to be uh, laid off again, but they were able to transfer me to operations engineering and international for two years. Super. So um, you were saying there about a couple of the things that you you did. So were there any pre-He-Man elements in your previous work? You know, did you have anything you did that you thought maybe down the line I can incorporate that you know into something perhaps into he-man you mean or yes just, uh, not really uh, because um, most of the time I worked on big gym accessories and uh, other uh, ideas for big Jim himself and uh, in international uh, big Jim was all over the world was selling all over the world and mm-hmm. so in international I worked on some ideas for Big Jim, but then in 1975, I transferred into Mattel preliminary design, reporting to Derek Gable, who was director, and I was a project designer and soon soon was made a, a manager. Uh, so then I worked on Big Jim for several years in Gable's uh, group as well. Okay. Say that okay. I designed many other toys in many other areas other than male act. For instance, uh, I came up with a concept called Storybook Dolls, and um, I designed uh, a uh, Dancerella, which was a, a ballerina major promotional doll. I designed Disguise Big Jim, and uh, I did uh, other some other uh, projects in preschool. Okay, super. So there seems to be a lot of claim jumping throughout the years. So simple question, did you create He-Man? Absolutely yes, because after I came up with the, after I sculpted the original clay and came up with the uh, clay, with the uh, plaster cast from it, I showed that cast to Mark Taylor and I asked him to design an outfit for a barbarian He-Man. And at first uh, he didn't, he, he balked at doing it and he also told me not to show the concept because it was too amateurish. But anyhow, he did agree to do a rough black line on white sketch. And from that sketch, I was only able to use the chest halter, the fur pants and a fur cape which was later rejected. So that was Mark Taylor's sole contribution to He-Man. I originated and named He-Man. I originated and designed and constructed the He-Man trio, which consisted of a barbarian He-Man, a space military enhanced He-Man, and a current military enhanced uh, He-Man. And that included the uh, the uh, super mus- defined muscularity, the two to one body proportion. In other words, the height of the figure was twice the width of the shoulders, mm-hmm. and the battle action stance and the battle action waist. 
So how were others actually involved in the creation of the line? Soon after I showed the concept in product conference in late 1980, about the middle of December, soon after that, Steve Nelson, who was a vice president of visual design and engineering insisted on taking the project over from preliminary design even though normally the normal uh, mode of operation at Mattel was for preliminary design to come up with the product ideas and then turn them over to visual design and engineering for production development Mm -hmm. so this was a uh, breach of that approach Uh, in visual design, his department visual design taking over the He-Man concept. You obviously came up with the name He-Man as you wanted it to be generic. Did you ever think the name would stick? At the time I came up with the concept, as with every other new concept, it was very flaky. You know what I mean? Very indefinite that anything would ever be done with it. And when I showed the product, when I showed this He-Man trio in product conference, Ray Wagner, the president of the company, had been showing three other concepts that day in that product conference. He looked over all of the concepts, and he was very noncommittal and calm. He said all of them should be market-tested. But right at the end of the conference, he pointed to the He-Man trio, and he very calmly said, those have the power. Oh. <laughs> What a great phrase. So, and who could have known at that stage that later on He-Man would say, I have the power when he <laughs> raised his sword. Yeah. And uh, who knows whether that I have the power expression came from that product conference or totally independent of it. True. So um, what other names did you come up with for the lead character? I came up with two handwritten pages on lined paper of names and I don't remember all those names and I don't have those sheets anymore but they <laughs> may be in Mattel's files all right. but but those names included Mighty Man Megaton Man and they also included Vicon which was an earlier name I came up for, for this muscular type figure that's spelled V-Y-K-O-N um who came up with the phrase Masters of the Universe and in your opinion to whom does the phrase refer to in the 80s cartoon uh, it referred to Skeletor's Warriors and in the 2000 cartoon it was the collective name for the heroes let me say first of all that I did not pay much attention to either the comic books or the television series that came out in relation to Masters of the Universe and He-Man In fact, I was working like crazy just coming up with the product. I was was the manager in charge of creation of the product at Mattel. Mm -hmm. And I spent all of my time just coming up with product concepts. And then others, including Filmation and the comic book creators, took those characters and also created other ones and created a very strong storyline. But when I came up with a figure, I tried to make him very distinctive in what he did. And most of the time, I would try to have the guy look like exactly what he did. Okay. And and uh, one 
a beautiful example of that is He-Man. When you look at this guy, he's a He-Man. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, I'm actually looking at a battle armor He-Man right now. It's just sitting right across the room for me. I didn't actually position it there on purpose, but uh, it's just catching my eye line. So, uh, <laughs> obviously, there was a moment where Mattel nearly worked on the Conan toy line. If they had done this, um, do you think this would have killed your Masters of the Universe pitch? Absolutely. If Conan would have been bought as a license, I probably would never have come up with He-Man. And I'll tell you, there's some, there's another factor in relation to Conan. When Mattel got the, loan, the Conan property, they were going to take a big gym figure and put Arnold Schwarzenegger's head on it <laughs> and dress it in plastic armor reminiscent of Conan. And so that would have been Mattel's idea of an incredibly strong figure. Have you ever seen Big Jim? Yes, a friend of mine, Rob Bass, actually did a video reviewing some um, Big Jim stuff and comparing it to like Master Universe, you know, certain yeah. toys that have like certain parts, not parts, but you know, the boxes look very similar yeah. to a certain aspect of the other one. So that's yeah. how I actually f- f- um, find out about it. Well, when Big Jim was out, he was the epitome of muscularity. He was considered incredibly muscular. And so... Actually, I was taking a huge chance to come up with a figure that was far more muscular than Big Jim because up till that time, when I created the He-Man Trio in 1980, Migos Super Heroes, uh, Star Wars uh, puny little figures, (laughs) and um, the large uh, slender G.I. Joe, were the norm on the market and in 19 i believe in 1982 the small gi joe figures came out so when he-man came on the market he was a radical radical departure from any other figures that had ever been done and not only that but they all were either in mangled poses or, or were standing at attention and he was in a battle action pose with a grimace on his face ready ready to go what are your thoughts on the Conan movie, and in your opinion, would it have made a good toy line? That speaks for itself. Was Conan ever a very popular toy line? No, not it was mind. released on the market. And what, and in my opinion, one of the reasons the Conan people came after Mattel, suing them, is because they could never make that kind of money on Conan. And another thing about Conan is Conan's named after. Arthur Conan Doyle, which is ridiculous. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? Yes. Yeah. I mean, every time I think of Conan, I think of Arthur Conan Doyle. <laughs> now you've done that for like me. Which is incredibly far removed. <laughs> now you've done that for me, so every time I hear Conan, that's all I'll think of. Um, so what do you how- think of? That's what I'll think of now. Is that? Um, that's <laughs> yeah. what I'll think of now. So yeah, I'll never yeah. be able to. I'll never be able to watch that. But yeah. um, see, Conan. I mean, He Man. Man, that's a yeah. name that punches you dead set in the face. Yes. How much fun was it to work on the initial wave of figures? It was exciting, but it was not fun. The reason is <clears throat> because when just before I came up with He Man. I got absolutely no support in my group 
and other members of my group did get support in the form of artwork from Art Taylor, who is a terrific artist. And twice I asked Derek Gable for Mark Taylor's uh, illustration support, and twice he refused, and he gave his support to two other people in my group, Diana Troop on Kid Gallant and Pete White on um, Robin and the Space Hoods. So here I'm left in a position getting no support, and I'm supposed to come up with this toy line, so I just spent the next three weeks working like crazy on my own. Okay. I would have preferred being the member of a group supporting a group activity, you know what I mean? Supporting, yes, yeah. supporting the group and coming up with something that everybody could enjoy. But yeah. that's not the way the members of the group wanted it. So, um, from memory, what was your favorite figure concept? Boy, I'd have to say Schizo. Now, you've never seen Schizo because he didn't make the market. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but Schizo was a guy, you, you, you've heard of Too Bad? Yes, yes. Well, he's split down the middle, and he's bad on both sides, right? Yeah. Well, this guy was split down the middle the same way, except the right side of him was incredibly, disgustingly demented and evil, and the left side of him was an incredibly beautiful, glorious, white, gold, and naive. Right. The right side of him is holding a giant, giant bludgeoning club and the left side of him is holding a rose <laughs> and I just thought that was so much fun because practically everybody I know is schizo <laughs> Th thankfully I don't have a rose in my you hand you know what I mean everybody yes. has a good and bad side <laughs> yeah, exactly. and this particular figure accentuated it <laughs> and so then marketing says how can we position this figure <laughs> We've got to either make him all good or all bad. So as the guy split down the middle, of course, he's going to end up being evil rather than good because he's so uh, ridiculous, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Would that be your, your most memorable figure concept that never quite made it then? No, I would have to say, well, first of all, have you heard of Jigor? Um, is that the like the gorilla? Yeah. Yes. Uh -huh. In late 2010, this year, supposedly this yellow gorilla is coming out. Have you seen him? Yes, I have. Well, anyhow, I, I designed and originated that in 1983 for the second year Masters line, because Masters line came out first in 1982. And I thought he was a neat guy. Uh, and the one another thing I liked about him was that he was a different size and scale and shape than all the other figures. Um, and then um, there's one other figure I did that never made the market, and he was called the Glob. <laughs> and this guy was one fat, obese, globby-looking guy with <laughs> with with fat nobules sticking out all over him. A really disgusting guy in kind of a uh, muted uh, pink, and he um, he had his eyes up on top of his head. His body was shaped somewhat like a big fat egg, 
and he had big, fat, gnarly, globby legs sticking down. And um, But what was neat about him is you look at this guy, and you're looking for a mouth up above, and then you discover that his mouth is at his waist. So the whole guy splits in half to open up, and there's a giant mouth inside his body. <laughs> And he was just a terrific guy, uh, but I showed him to Glenn Hastings, who became president of the company after Ray Wagner left, and Glenn Hastings says, we can't do this guy because he doesn't have the same body shape that all the other He-Man figures have. And I had always wanted to get much more variety in the line, but marketing balked at that. They wanted the figures to have the same general physique look, even though they had had many different features. Was there any figures that you were not involved in that you disliked? I thought there were two figures in the 1982 line that were ridiculously bad. One of them was Stratos. Here's a guy who's supposed to be a flying figure, and he's got plastic wings strapped to his arms. <laughs> that and and the space military He-Man figure that I conceived for the He-Man fig uh, trio was a futuristic space-looking guy who had a giant jet backpack on, mm -hmm. and that guy would have been terrific for the flying guy in the first year's master's line. But instead, okay. they did this incredibly ridiculous Stratos. Okay. Now, one thing in defense of Stratos is, I must say, he was distinctive looking. And the other character that I thought was incredibly weak because you could not tell very well what he did or where he was from was Zodak. You know, because we we were I, we wanted I or I I was telling marketing and Taylor that we wanted a high tech guy for the line and this was the answer this guy you know he wasn't particularly high tech he he didn't do anything special <laughs> you know he, he was just uh, to me a wasted figure in the line what really do you Zodak. think of him I'm not really a Zodak fan I like the like Mattel did the the Zodak with a K, which was okay, but the Zodak with a C, even like the one they released um, a year or so ago, was very, very bland, and a lot of people would say it's the worst figure that they would have. I, I don't mind Stratos, but I would pick Stratos over Zodak any day of the week. Oh, yeah. He's, he's <laughs> got a lot more personality than Zodak. <laughs> exactly, And also, yes. Zodak apparently was posi positioned as a neutral guy yeah. who was uh, sometimes good, sometimes bad. And uh, so that's, you know, just, he just did not, <laughs> those those two guys were the least impressive guys that I ever uh, saw in the line. As the line went on, do you think the toy line lost its way? The toy, the toy line definitely lost its way with the 89 relaunch as He-Man. Okay. The figure was the figure of He-Man was ridiculously bad. Okay. Um, the figure, the figure was average muscularity. He had a goofy-looking face. 
and and he and he stood at attention. Yeah. And he he lost his muscular muscularity. The um the Mastering the Universe book has a very apt description of that guy. Are you familiar with it? Yes, I am. I will have some questions in that fine yeah. book later on. It's by myself and my nephew David Wecker, who's a professional writer. Okay. Anyhow, um, <laughs> here's a description of this 89 He-Man. I soon learned why a new He-Man, one that was a mockery of the name, had been created to fit into this new world. The new guy looked very little like the original. Any hint of the edginess of the original concept was gone. His massive bulging biceps, his tree trunk thighs, his washboard stomach, Gone, too, were the ready-for-action pose the ba- and the battle-toughened expression. In a place was a visage that suggested the guy had just been poleaxed. He stood <laughs> at ease with a submissive Stepfordian glaze on his face that seemed to say, Yes, Barbie. He <laughs> <laughs> man He-Man had been run through the milk toast machine and come out a pipsqueak. More of a hey man or even a hey dude than a master of the universe. The new He-Man might have been a Mattel marketing executive who exercised semi-regularly. He was unworthy of the name half-human, half-monkey to my eye. But given the physics and politics of the situation, this devolution of He-Man was almost inevitable. Sad to that, amen. <laughs> amen, brother. <laughs> <laughs> amen, bro. <laughs> exactly, or Hebrew, whatever you, you want to look yeah. at. It. <laughs> uh, so, do you still have any of the Masters of the Universe merchandise you worked on? No. Oh, we should all send you some then. What's that? We should all send you some then. Since you created it, we should buy well, some and send uh, it to you. Hey, <laughs> I'm not asking for handouts. <laughs> it's the least um, we could do. But let me say this. I really like the new classic He-Man figure as right. compared with the 1989 version. Okay. You know, he's, oh, yes. Oh, yes, totally. Yes, I, I totally I agree with that. I would have there. done even the, the classic He-Man somewhat differently than they did it, but it's it's infinitely better than the 1989 version. So, Story behind that 1989 figure. I walked into the boys' toy design area where that figure was being developed, and I saw the figure... And there was a fellow there who worked at Mattel by the name of Dave Wolfram. And I looked at the figure, and we discussed him, and Wolfram said, we're making him more believable. I they didn't said say what? anything. <laughs> I was going to say, did they say what? I knew that line was doomed to fail. You, you, they, they had taken away He-Man's raison d'etre. You ever heard the term? Yes, and people get paid for these ideas as well, which is even more worrying. (laughs) Hey, if you're designing what your boss wants, then you're in clover. (laughs) 
The cartoon came out during your work on the line. Um, what did you think about it? I thought it was well done. I thought that the He-Man character was slenderized from the actual male action figure okay. so that he looked like Superman and every other figure in relation to his physique. Mm-hmm. But when I originally conceived He-Man and did the He-Man trio, and when the 1982 He-Man uh, master's line came out the guy had a two to one body proportion which means that he was twice as tall as the dimension across his shoulders this Mm -hmm. made him far more muscular than any other figure had ever been and when the filmation series was done they slenderized the guy. I once did a volume study of the uh, 1982 He-Man figure, and Schwarzenegger, in his prime as Mr. Olympia, was six feet one and weighed between 240 and 260 pounds. He-Man, at that same height, would have weighed 450 pounds. (laughs) And I'll tell you something, sir. That's why he was named He-Man. Do you feel that the cartoon began to influence the toy line? Somewhat, um, because some of the characters in the line were were new characters, like Wildor. Mm-hmm. But I don't think they had a, a very big influence on the line. And actually, the characters that we continued to come up with were more creative than what the Filmation series came up with, in my opinion. Okay. Then even more creative, if we would have been allowed to stray much further from the standardized physique. So, aside from the cartoon, what did you think of the comics and books that dealt with your creation? I hardly ever even looked at them. All right. Okay. I really, uh, I, I, you know, I can't, can hardly comment about them. I okay. remember seeing the first tiny little comic that was put in the 1982 master line masters line package packages mm-hmm. yes and it one thing that disturbed me greatly was when superman knocked he-man to the ground oh yes the I thought DC that was one, yeah. disgustingly ridiculous and i thought that he-man should have pulverized superman into the ground <laughs> <laughs> and that's a beautiful example of a of a toy company deferring to a giant uh, uh, comic book uh, or um, you know a cartoon uh, oh, like company massive conglomerate of yeah 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 okay. like DC and Marvel are huge powerful companies. Mm-hmm. And so a toy company that's licensing from them does not want to upset them. And But I'll tell you, uh, I thought that was just ridiculous right at the start of He-Man to be knocked down to the ground by Superman. He-Man, Superman probably weighed 250, and even with magical powers, He-Man at 450 would have given him a, a run for the money. <laughs> Are there any other pieces of Masters of the Universe merchandise that you can distinctively recall? Well, I always liked the slime pit. Yeah. 
Uh, my mother didn't care for that one, though. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, that slime stuff, it's, uh, it's uh, dicey because, you know, you can get it on stuff and it can mess it up. Yeah. But it was designed to be water-soluble and removable, you know. Did you ever see the Master of the Universe live-action movie? What would your thoughts be on the much highly anticipated new Master of the Universe movie? That's coming up, you mean? Yeah, just one that, uh, you know, there's been talk about it for several years now. And yeah. there, there was a script that was leaked online that a lot of people read. And there is uh-huh. talk that it's going to happen in the next couple of years and stuff. So what would your thoughts be on that? My thoughts would be, I'll believe it when I see it. <laughs> That's what we all say, too. <laughs> yeah, because, I mean, you know, ever since that first Masters movie in 1987 starring Dolph Lundgren, mm-hmm. various entities have been saying that they're going to come up with a new, with another He-Man or Masters movie, yes. but it hasn't happened. But I can say this about that 1987 Masters movie. I thought Dolph Lundgren was a big, handsome guy, but I did notice that his muscles were a little bit painted on. Mm-hmm. Did you notice that at all? Not really. Uh, again, I'll probably notice that now. Whenever I'm watching it, I'll probably notice that. Yeah, you can see a bit of paint there. Yeah. You can see a bit but, there. But basically, the movie was, and the movie also came up with some new characters Yes. Uh, that we hadn't come up with at Mattel. I thought they were nicely styled, and uh, but I thought basically the movie was fairly low budget being located in a big city. Yeah, a big United States city, mm-hmm. as compared with an Eternia. So you know, they in order to keep the budget down, they did that. But it would have been really neat if they could have made it uh, had the budget of Avatar and been able to create Eternia. It'd be nice to see like Snake Mountain and all that kind of stuff yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah, it would have been fun. Yeah. What did you think of the Shira and Princess of Power toy line? There's a story, but behind that, Jill Barad in print claimed that she originated that concept. But the way it really happened was I, in night in late 1980, and I'm going to read you this idea disclosure. This is uh, Mattel idea disclosure 10385, date of conception 123080. So in other words, just after I'd come up with He-Man, with the He-Man trio, I wrote this idea disclosure. Okay. Title is He-Man Characters and Accessories. He-Man can be expanded into a broad line phenomena. For characters, in addition to bad guys and monsters, He-Man can be set, can be part of the ultimate super family consisting of his mate, quotes, she, the ultimate dynamite superhero. Amazon in proportions, tremendously powerful, gorgeous, and sexy, with tan skin and billowing long blonde hair, making Barbie look, quotes, wimpy. <laughs> boy is the son or younger brother. He-Man's pet is the Big Jim Tiger revamped. He-Boy's pet is the Big Jim Dog revamped. Okay. And then I say other characters utilizing Big Jim tooling could be the gorilla, and bear wearing humanizing outfits. Other outfits for He-Man with other themes can be a shogun, samurai, super sports hero, 
Strongman, Alien, Caveman, Geronimo, Attila, Genghis Khan, Superhero, Knight, Robot, Tarzan, etc. So in that idea disclosure, I spotted a female, a powerful female for the line. Mm-hmm. And that eventually evolved into She-Ra. Yes. But I didn't make a move on my own to present or create the concept of a female action line. Mark Ellis in marketing started pushing that idea like crazy. Now, whether he got that idea on his own or whether he read my idea disclosure, I don't know. But he asked Ted Mayer in my group, he asked me to have someone in my group do some illustrations illustrating the concept of a female action hero. And those sketches, three out of four of those sketches showed in Tomart's Action Figure Digest okay. as uh, done by Ted Mayer. And uh, the issue is uh, issue 89 on page uh, 30, 31, and 36. Uh, there's a figure, there's a female figure next to a small, like, cheetah-type cat. It says early hero sketch. Then on the next page, on page 31, a little too sexy Tila concept. That was not that sketch was not done for Tila. It was done for Shira, a separate line. And then on page 36, there's this female battle hero uh, sitting on top of a unicorn horse that's up on its back two legs, you know, uh, 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 haunching up or whatever you want yes. to call it. Sketch was also done as one of the first four sketches for a possible female action line, which hadn't yet been named. Okay. But those sketches were showed to upper management, and Judy Shackelford, who was vice president in charge of marketing, in charge of girls design, instantly snatched that line away from Ellis, and as a result, uh, it was done in the girls' area rather than the boys' area. And I thought, appearance-wise, the, the uh, figures were very feminine and very stylish and appealing, but I thought from the point of view of features, the line was incredibly weak. So that's my view of that. Okay. Um, okay. Well, what would your thoughts be on the recent classics line then? I think that they that they were better done than the 1989 line, and that's that's about all I can say about them. Okay. What's the size of those figures. Um, six inches. See, so originally He-Man was five and a half inches, and so these figures are bigger. But yes. the he but the original He Man figures cost four ninety four ninety nine retail or five dollars oh, retail, and these classic figures cost twenty dollars each, don't they? Yes, they do. Yes. Yeah. There's a story about the the uh, height of the He Man figure for the nineteen eighty two line. Tony Guerrero, the sculptor, sculpted a beautiful sculpting of He Man at 5 and 11 sixteenths inches tall. But Steve Nelson, the vice president of visual design, 
and engineering looked at the figures and dictated that they be five and a half inches tall. Mm -hmm. So it was late in the game, and Tony Guerrero did not have time to reproportion the entire figure, so he cut three-sixteenths of an inch out of the ankle. All right. And that's why all of those guys look short-legged. And as looking short-legged, they look more preschool than otherwise. Well, we still all love them, so it is. So, well, yeah. well the, the, the prime age demographic for the uh, original line He-Man figures was ages four to seven. So I guess it was okay. Does it, is, it, um, is it bad now that I'm 32 and I still collect them because I'm way out of that demographic now? <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, no, you're, you're, you're the prime demographic because you were like seven or eight. Yeah. At, at the time, weren't you? Yeah. Well, I would have been about yeah, I would have been about six then. Six. Okay, great. So it, that's so. absolutely perfect time. So, how did the two thousand book Mastering the Universe come about? My main motivation for writing that book was a comment that a management recruiter made to me, and it's listed in the Mastering the Universe book. Um, I after I left Mattel. I thought I wouldn't have too much of a problem getting another job in the design field, particularly the toy design industry, because I had one of the best track records in the history of Mattel. Mm -hmm. But I could not get a job in the toy industry. Okay. But I went through this one management recruiter. His name was Tom Kuhn, K-E-O-U-G-H-A-N. And he runs a company by the name of toyjobs.com. And at first he was very helpful and a very nice guy, but then he started questioning whether I had actually created He-Man and Masters. Right. And he, he made the exact comment, a lot of guys said you didn't do it. And so that was my prime inspiration for writing the Mastering the Universe book and also the fact that even though I had an excellent track record, I couldn't get a job in the industry, so there had to have been some people talking against me. And also I heard for 25 years uh, that other people had claimed to have uh, created the concept. That's, that's, that's ridiculous that you put all your blood, your sweat, and your tears into something well, and then other not, people... it's not just a matter of blood, sweat, and tears. It's a matter of blood, sweat, and tears backed by physical documents. <laughs> and everybody well, least... else, such as Mark Taylor, Ted Mayer, and Paul Cleveland, who claim that they came up with it, Let's see the physical document. Mark Taylor has never shown a single physical document in relation to his creating He-Man, even though he claims he created him when he was 11 years old. Was your work on Master of the Universe something you'd wanted to talk about for a long time? I just wanted to write a book to let everybody know that my point of view on it. Okay. If somebody else wants to write an incredibly exciting book, giving their point of view on it, they're welcome to it. And another factor is, um, <clears throat> as I'm retired of sorts, <laughs> I, um, I like to do things to keep myself busy, and I, I do like writing. 
Okay. And I very much like organizing. Okay. And I very much like telling the truth. Okay. And anything that I say in, in relation to creating He-Man and, and the various figures and that sort of thing is I can show you the documents to back it up. Okay, brilliant. Or, okay. or the photos or um, illustrations. Okay, so it's kind of a pick, you could almost pick and choose what you wanted to show in regards to it anyway because you have that much information regarding it. Yeah. Okay. I have brilliant. incredibly well-organized information on Masters like you would not believe. Awesome. I've got uh, copies. Of, I've got copies of almost every illustration, every color illustration that was ever done on Masters, and I have terrific photographs on the He-Man trio. Oh, brilliant! Did the Tomart article featuring a lot of misinformation about who created He-Man prompt you into action? It was a factor. Okay. But you see, yeah, well, I'd say it was a factor. Okay. Do you, um, you've often spoke about others taking credit, as you just did there now. Um, even though we have evidence supporting your claim, why do you believe others still try and claim credit? For one thing, they don't want to be made wrong, and also it affects their reputation. Very true, yes. You know? Mm-hmm. And I say, if they can prove it with actual physical evidence, great. And if, okay. in, in fact, if they can prove it, and they can prove that I didn't do it, great. But is anyone going to have the organization skills and the documents and everything else that you have? Sincerely doubt it. Hey, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's up to them. Say one other thing, though. Yeah, sure. In defense of all these people, like Mark Taylor, Ted Mayer, and Paul Cleveland. These guys contributed terrifically to He-Man and Masters of the Universe. You know, Mark Taylor is a terrific artist, and with uh, Paul Cleveland and my input as the general direction of the figures, he, he originated the look of the 1982 line figures, except for He-Man. But he... But bear in mind that the physique and action pose of all these figures had already been established. So what he was doing is dressing them. Right. Okay. And also Paul Cleveland, he he uh, started as a manager in uh, marketing at Mattel, and he rose to the position of vice president in charge of all boys' toys design senior vice president and he was he did a terrific amount of work in relation to marketing he-man and masters and he allowed me and the people in my group to come up with outstanding concepts which he bought into you know he could have been a guy who couldn't see anything creative and wouldn't let anything go by and it could have been an incredibly mediocre line and a beautiful example of that was the a 1984 Dragon Walker. I right. showed him a concept of another line which included this Dragon Walker concept, and he said he didn't want to do the line, but he wanted to take the Dragon Walker and put it into the Masters line. Okay. And that and and that toy, by the way, won the most creative toy award in 1984 out of 150 new products at Mattel. Wow. Voted on by over 100 designers, not by upper management. Is it fair to say that your work on Master of the Universe was somewhat bittersweet? 
Absolutely, but I really don't hold grudges or think bitterly much. Okay. Do you know what I mean? Yes, yeah. But you'd have to include the sweet part of it because that's my last name. <laughs> I wasn't aiming Is for an awful pun true? there. Were you making a pun there? No, I was just saying I wasn't making a pun on that. It's just whenever you said that, it's just like I should have been a, a somewhat uh, sour taste in your mouth rather than bittersweet. <laughs> yeah. Here, here's my view. If nobody ever gave me any credit for my role in relation to He-Man and Masters, Overall, I really don't care because I have the personal satisfaction of knowing what I did. You know, that's my view on it. And there's another factor is that if anybody who's a bona fide person in the area wants to interview me, I'm glad to talk to them. Okay. You know, yeah. I'm give, so, I'll give them my views. So, so looking back on your career with Mattel, is there anything you would change? And if so, what would it be? Well, I would like to have worked there till I retired. But on the other hand, so what? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Sure. I'm a cancer survivor. I got cancer in uh, 1999, August of 1999. I had non-Hodgkin's large cell follicular lymphoma. Okay. Stage four, the most advanced stage. Very few people make it through that. And um, I went to the doctor a couple months ago, and he said that of all, and I got this after the age of 60, he said that of all people, all ages, who get that form of cancer at that advanced stage, only 30% of them make it to five years without it coming back. Okay. And I had my stem cell transplant in 2001, and it's nine years later, and it hasn't come back. That's... So, so uh, my, am I in a minority? Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, like, yeah. there's probably, there's probably... 10% that make it nine years without it coming yeah. back. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Either that or if you make it to five years, then your odds go way up. I don't know which. All I know is I'm real healthy, and you think that my health is more important than He-Man he and Masters? Yes. <laughs> yes. Because, frankly, sir, I'd much prefer staying alive than taking a long-term <laughs> dirt nap. <laughs> as long as you stay on the avenue of good health, yeah. that's all us fans want is for you to, you know, that you've, you know, you've got rid of that now and you've moved on yeah. and you've, you know, if you're nine years later after it and if I was wearing a hat, I would take it off and tip it to you, but well, unfortunately thanks. I'm not. So, so well, I just, you know, I just hope that you stay in the best of health and that doesn't return. And, uh, but um, my con sincere congratulations on actually beating that into the grind yeah. and making that, having a nasty dirt nap. Yeah, yeah. Um, I work out six days a week. For my age, 75, I'm in very good condition. Ooh. As I said earlier on, you are Jesse Ventura then? Uh, I'm a scrawny <laughs> Jeffy, Jesse Ventura. <laughs> At age okay. 75, a month ago, I did 22 wide grip pull-ups, unassisted forward wide grip pull-ups. 
It just sounds to me now, sir, that you're bragging to me, you know. I am. And you're, just ru- you're rubbing my nose <laughs> in it. It's my claim to fame. <laughs> <laughs> I don't do anything else exceptional physically nowadays, but that was that's the one thing I work on. You have appeared in an upcoming documentary called Toy Masters. Um, did you enjoy this experience? With Roger Lay Jr. and Corey Landis. Mm-hmm. And uh, they they came to my home for several days, and we had a terrific time together. Brilliant. Did you and, uh, we went over and we saw Jack Wadsworth and his wife, Leslie, and they played He-Man and Shara in the road show. Yes. Uh, uh, in, uh, they live in Edmonds now, Washington. Okay, so my final question for you, sir, is yeah. do you have... Do you have any pearls of wisdom for the folks working at Mattel now? I would say enjoy the design and the work as much as possible. You know, it's a mm-hmm. it's a dynamic, real dynamic, uh, fascinating company to work for. Mr. Sweet, I just want to sincerely thank you again for coming on the show. It's been a pleasure to sit down and uh, listen to some of your answers there. I've had a, a great time talking to yourself and I hope, uh, hope it's been the same way. But uh, I just want to sincerely thank you for clearing uh, some time to sit down and talk to me. And just uh, thank you so much. And I wish you all the best um, with uh, your health and everything. And uh, just thank you so much for creating uh, He-Man and Masters of the Universe, you know, uh, I'm surrounded by so many figures here, so many ones that you, you've designed and stuff, and just I just want to, on behalf of myself and the fans, just sincerely thank you. Well, that's very nice of you. Okay. Uh, I just want to say one last thing. Sure. Uh, I, t- I touched upon it earlier. Um, even though I originated the concept, many other people made a huge contribution to it and it could not have happened without them yeah that's that's fair enough that's fair enough well just yeah just thank you to everyone who worked on it and obviously you were one of the main people so uh just thank you so much for doing that and uh just uh again thank you for coming on the show okay also if you're ever in this area let's get together and in ireland i'll look you up (laughs) <laughs> that's fine, that's fine. I'll, I'll forward my address to you. That's no problem at all. Okay, great. Um, that was Mr. Roger Sweet talking about Masters of the Universe and um, the the 1980s toy line that we came to love and collect and still collect nowadays. I've been Chris Vint, also known as Vinto Man, and until next time. Let the power return!